swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads where bandits are. Catacombs and giant doors protect the chest and stores and legendary items with the dragon bones and iron It's ore. a grand theft of Elder Scrolls, Simon's quest with Toe and Earl, rocket shoes to every crew, Easter eggs and gaming news, the POTUS need some bad dudes to crash a crew like Bandicoot, all shit and gaming and glitch control issues. Control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Well, this is control issues. I am the AM And this is a dub. You can find us at control-issues.com. You can also go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be, look for control issues, download it, subscribe to it, rate it, review it. Let us know you're out there. Twitter handle my control issues. Tweet at us and some bullshit. And we also update people what's going on in the gaming industry. Go to twitch.tv slash control issues pod where we put up gameplay videos for your viewing pleasure. AMC, how are you living? I'm living well, A-Dub. This has been a solid week for me. Theo is sick. I haven't been doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a little bit of Hidden Figures, didn't finish it. But how do you feel so far? I'm enjoying it. It's uh it's it's what you expect, but it's 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 good in that way. Um, you know, a lot of that like, oh, it's it's in the 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 times when like Jim Crow and all that stuff. So things aren't aren't yeah. great for black people, but yet black people are like, you know, striving for success outside of like those issues. So it's it's one of those movies, but it's still done really well. Enjoying the uh the cast, great actors, uh What's her name mm-hmm. from uh, Baby Boy and Empire is killing Taraji it. Taraji P. Hansen. Yeah, Taraji P. Yeah, she's killing it. Um, she's yeah. outstanding. Just an out, yeah, just a great, great cast. Watching it on Disney, uh, Disney Plus right now. Um, how about yourself? How, how you been? How's your week going? Uh, week going pretty good. Got to pick either Thursday or Friday for my, my Yom Kippur day off. So I picked Friday, got this three day weekend cracking, coming to a close, sipping on a beer, chilling out. Uh, this was a, a bye week for me where I don't do anything. I didn't have to get a car washed, didn't have to get a haircut, just chilling at the house, watching Bill Maher, trying to wait for John Oliver, watching a new episode of My Hero Academia, you know, just watching movies, just found out that Married with Children is on Hulu, so I started that. <laughs> oh man, so it's, much it's nice see. So much programming. So much TV, dude. <laughs> like, oh my god! Found out that was on on Hulu, and then also remembered that Netflix has anime. So I went over there, and of course, there's Bleach. So I was like, let me let me pick it back up where I was in the Soul Society showdown. And, like figure out how Ichigo got his bankai and then see what happened with Aizen and all that shit. So yeah, caught up a little bit there. Watching Mary with those, Children. Oh, I would say this, those final battles, because I, I went back and watched uh, Bleach on Hulu. Uh, and those final battles, especially with Aizen, are absolutely amazing. So highly recommend that you finish out that series. There is like um, an extinction, I would just say, 
uh, after mm, I, I skipped over almost all those episodes and just watched the final episode. <laughs> so just what's just an extinction? Like, it, uh, it, or an extinction? extinction? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Like it kind of continues uh, after you know the whole Soul Society thing, and um, mm-hmm. I didn't really get into those episodes. But the the final episode of those uh, are is really good. I'll say that much. But keep going. Bleach has some of the most fillery filler I've ever seen in my life. Like there are whole episodes where I'm like, nothing happens here. Oh no, I it's didn't. Uh, yeah, you say. I was like, it's just like the teddy bear running around with all the side characters. Yeah, that's one of those shows. And where that's I an episode. I, I literally looked up what was canon, and I only watched what was canon. <laughs> I was like, the Bleach and Naruto were like the the serial offenders of just filler shit. Where it's like, here are two hundred episodes of filler, <laughs> and it's just like Naruto. What? I could handle the filler because it was still like either Naruto or at least characters I cared about. Bleach, there's only a handful of characters <laughs> I care about. And they'll have whole episodes that have no characters you care about. Like Naruto went to like episode 100 of like canon and then went all the way to episode 200 of filler. And then once they got Ooh. to that, <laughs> Shippuden dropped and then they were back on like the canon again. <laughs> got you, it. Could, you could literally skip like 100 episodes of like Naruto and to, just to get to Shippuden. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is some shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I watched that movie. I think a movie just came out on Netflix called Prey. So that was an interesting, not really scary, but more of a thriller. Yeah. And it had a cool premise. I thought it wrapped up cool. Not enough for me to give it a thumbs up, mm-hmm. but also enough for me not to give it a thumbs down. <laughs> so yeah. take that how you want it. <laughs> And okay. if you haven't watched it, I think I recommended it before, but uh, Boss Level on Hulu with Frank Grillo, who's the dude. Nah, hell yeah. What is it about? So it's, it's, it's in the vein of The Edge of Tomorrow, where it's this guy stuck in this time loop. He wakes up in his bed. People are trying to kill him. He's trying to figure out why, what's this all about. Every time he dies, he wakes back up in his bed. So as he's going through it, he's learning everything that happens and how to best handle it. Of course, he's experiencing a massive number of deaths. And then eventually, you know, the story comes together. And I'm not going to spoil it from there. But Another movie. I highly recommend. I think it's awesome, especially if you're a video game fan. Another movie in that vein. Um, did you watch uh, Spring Break on Hulu? It's with... Uh, it's a pretty good no. movie. It's with uh, Andy Sandberg, and it's pretty much the same, you know, that premise. So I guess a lot of movies do that, where it's the same day on repeat, like the Groundhog's Day situation. Except it's a it's mm-hmm. a comedy, but a really good movie. Really enjoyed it. Me and Marissa love. Is that it. the one? It's the boy and the girl, and they're going around town, like figuring out what everybody does, and uh, basically, yeah, it's a uh, the day the day repeats itself, and so he's stuck in the loop and the only spoiler thing is i'll say is that he brings her into the loop and so then she's like what the fuck and then she's mad at him (laughs) and like you get like he he's aware of the loop though and so the thing they're both aware of the loop once they're in it and the thing with him is like it's lonely because you literally he's done 
every version that there is to do for that day. Cause the same thing happens every day. So it's like, all right, why don't like, it's like, he goes to a wedding party. Why don't I bang this girl? And then like, it's like, why don't I bang this guy? It's like, like just because like, shit. it's just like, he's literally relived the same day thousands of times to the point where it's like, he just needs something new to do. And if you think yeah, about it, <laughs> yeah. And if you think about it, it's only that one day. So it's not, you can't get far. Like, it's not like, well, I'm going to go to Japan. <laughs> like, like yeah. you, can, oh, you can only go so far before that day is done. So uh, it's like, it's, it's, that's where like the comedy comes in is because of the fact that they're reliving the same day. They're aware of it. And so they're just trying to make the most out of that day. <laughs> I would do every hardcore drug. I think he did that too. Because <laughs> it's like, why not? Let's, yeah. like, let's do crack today. And yeah. Let's do meth. Yeah. Let's do a little heroin. Let's do a lot of heroin. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, even, even if you die, it's just going to start over. Yeah, the day just starts over. And you don't remember like, anything. Yeah, you don't remember the pain. This is OD on everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so like, uh, it's one of those. But it's it's a very funny movie. I highly recommend. But let's get into it, A-Dub. We're not here to talk about movies. We're here to talk about video games. So what have yes. you been playing? Okay. So you guys already know that I finished off No Man's Sky. Done deal. Finished it. I went back fired up the Series X, got into the Ascent. And, you know, I was playing. I finished a mission in like a few minutes. And I was like, okay, let me play a little bit more. Got into a, a big boss battle, not but like 15 or 20 minutes after that, finished another mission. Looked at a walkthrough online. I was like, oh, okay, two more missions and I'm out of this. So I decided it was time to finish the Ascent. Kept playing, kept moving about. And sure enough, long story short, your boy brought it to a conclusion. The final encounter uh, wasn't what I expected, but it was something that the game had been preparing me for the whole time. And by the time I reached that encounter, I realized that I had what's called a pocket mech. <laughs> so I have this ability where I can basically spawn a mech suit, jump inside of it, and it's equipped with a minigun. So whenever the fight gets a little tense or a little fierce, drop the pocket mech, hop inside, start backing up with the miniguns, <laughs> 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 cutting everybody down, enjoying that, that bonus armor. Yeah, leveling the playing field there, dropping my spider bots. They're jumping and exploding on people. And I found, I found a weapon. It's like the last weapon I discovered in the game called the deal in the description, it says that people are, are split on whether to consider it a shot minigun or a mini shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it's a minigun that's a shotgun. <laughs> nice. So once, once that barrel fires up, it says, spread shot, spread shot, spread shot, spread shot. <laughs> Nothing stood a chance. So... I could just crouch down, get behind cover, hold up, hold up that minigun, and just bang, clearing everybody out. It was it was glorious. Unfortunately, where I was in the game when I discovered its pure destructive capability, I wasn't able to backtrack and go dump my my upgrade nodes into it in order to make it a more devastating weapon, which definitely would have made the final encounter take a few less attempts. 
However, I got it together. I figured out what was going on. I honed in on the mechanics, played real smart, and I completed it. Saw the credits, did a couple side missions afterwards just for good measure, and the ascent has, has fallen. <laughs> it has reached the crescendo, and it has come down. Uh, I then moved on to Biomutant. So that game, I've been playing it pretty heavily for the past three or four days, which... You know, I told you guys I'm trying to handle some real life obligations, but somehow gaming just just grabbed me and <laughs> would not let go. So I'm trying to tear myself away from playing games to get back on the stuff that I need to do, especially after playing as much Biomutant as I did, because I've, I've just been playing nothing but side quests, knocking them down, knocking them down, knocking them down, focusing on the things that like it's find two of five of these or find find the remaining 15 of these everything that's numbered i've been going after because i usually get items and crafting materials um doing that and then i'll find like a little town and there's four people with exclamation points over their heads go talk to all of them oh i just got four new side quests great <laughs> so every time i knock down one or two side quests i end up picking up like four more and i'm just like okay i need to shift gears and it's probably time to start working on the main missions for this game especially since i found out that i could scrap items in my inventory i've been playing this game for dozens of hours playing all these side quests upgrading my weapons and stuff looking for resources like damn this stuff is pretty scarce come to find out all this time i could have been scrapping the stuff in my inventory which gives me the resources that i've been searching for so now I have an overabundance of upgrade and crafting materials. My weapons are almost completely maxed out. I can build whatever I want. <laughs> I can upgrade whatever I want. Uh, I'm just unlocking all kinds of content, riding a mutant whale dolphin thing that's just cutting through the waters like it's no big deal. And yeah, man, it's, I want to try to put that game down and then I feel like I can kind of back away, maybe fire up Forza every so often. But overall, I'm still enjoying my time with Biomutant. It, it still looks great to me. I really enjoy the combat. My weapons and my level are high enough to where the combat is giving me the feedback I want, where I'm not just wailing on a basic enemy until it eventually falls. It's like now I emptied a clip on something, it's dead. And I'm getting all kinds of bonuses. I'm using my, my psi abilities, knocking dudes in the air, getting the air combos, getting my dodges time just right, taking on enemies several levels above me, taking them down, clearing out locations, getting all the loot. It's a, it's a great time. So I've been having a whole lot of fun. But AMC, have you been doing the same? What have you been playing? Oh my god. Uh no, not having the same amount of fun. I am actually no, I am having fun. I'm enjoying playing video games, but I am at like the most difficult point in the two games I'm playing right now. So the first one, um, the one that I've been playing, actually I both I've been playing for a while, but the one I've been talking about more solo wise, that being Wizard of Legend. I am yes. on the final boss. I have <sighs> I have perfected this game. Other than this second phase of the final boss battle, it is so frustrating. <laughs> um, I literally, I, I to the point. So in the game, you fight, you go through three, we'll say biomes, but three like three levels. Um, 
which like culminate with three boss battles and then you have the final boss battle so the fourth guy i'm at the point now where those three first boss battles i can just walk right through them like i i got like a trophy for not getting touched by one of the bosses one of the times <laughs> like uh you forget like a falls there you go so like it's at a point where i can get to that final boss every time and i now have the first phase of the battle now like just like just down and then it's the second one i, I got to a point where it was literally like a one shot like if i had just gotten off one attack i would have taken him out oh. and he dropped me and i was like god damn it <laughs> and then uh did you cut off the console after that uh yeah well, it was like bedtime at that point but uh, the way it works for me is i can't I literally can't play games until around like 10 o'clock at night. And then Theo's up at seven. So I basically have a window from around like 10 to 12, one if I'm pushing it. And with these roguelikes, uh, the way uh, Wizard of Legend works, it takes me about, I want to say like an hour and a half to two hours to get through a run. So yeah, depending when I start, I can I can probably get in like two runs, like on a Friday and a Saturday. And that's pretty much like my gaming. So um did did four runs basically lost all four times to him changed up my cloak so i can get different buffs i'm like really like like just rethinking everything because there's like uh there's like a way you can do it where it's like kind of like incrementalism where it's like all right i kind of know my my loadout that i like i know the weapons that i like whatever like just discussing any game and now it's a matter of just perfecting that getting better at that and i'm not at that point in this game at this point i'm at like I kind of have an idea of the boss. I do know that I have this one spell that I love, which is, uh, it's the one I mentioned the previous week. It's a wind spell that makes me invulnerable for, um, you know, like five seconds. And uh, so, which basically allows me to dodge his attacks. So when I was first going at him, I had this uh, one buff, basically, that was whenever I landed a critical hit, I would receive health. And so I was using that as like, all right, this is like, a way of like surviving but it wasn't really i wasn't getting the benefits of those critical hits on the final boss to justify using that for like the runs anymore so i was like all right you know what rather than like getting better at this i need to change some shit up so i hold, held on to the spells i like the spells that i have and now i'm changing up the cloak which is now um i'm running with a cloak that lowers my cooldown of all my spells and the idea there being I can then run that invulnerability more often <laughs> to then survive the uh, the battle longer. But the problem is um, I'm not taking him down quick enough. So now it's going to be a balance of maybe the cooldowns with um, maybe like upping my damage in some way. So that, that might be either changing out the spell or changing out the relic that I have um, that might, that I might, put towards i guess damage or even even more reduced uh cooldowns so we'll see but uh, i'm just tweaking as i'm getting better at the boss fight and eventually i will beat his ass um other than that also played super mario 3d world with marissa girlfriend game wife game family mm -hmm. game and with that we are now at the point mario games they do this not every single one has done this but the final level hardest shit uh and this is like not the final level in the main storyline quest this is now i am on world three post campaign in the game and the third world um they it's basically just two levels uh we did the we did that the one level which is like basically uh like 
it was a bunch of mini games, like or a bunch of mini levels. So like you had basically 10 seconds to get to the green star and there was 20 of these and you had to do it perfectly uh, beat that. And now we're on the final level, which is basically the equivalent of if uh, anybody played uh, Super Mario um, Galaxy, they had this one final level called the uh, the perfect run, which is you couldn't get damaged and it was long as shit. There was no midway point. Like to like save on uh so at least like when you die you would start midway through the level it's you just had to be perfect on that run literally call it the perfect run this one uh it's at that level of difficulty you can you can take damage it's also two players so at least like if i die um i can come back uh, as a bubble because as long as marissa is still alive <laughs> and then just reappear back on the map but still the level is hard as shit and we can't beat it. Like we, we played it about like, honestly, like 20 times. And then it was like, all right, we're at this point now where I need a break. And then like, we'll come back, play it tomorrow, do a couple of runs. We probably won't beat it then take a break, come back, do a couple more runs. And eventually we'll just have that shit mastered. But yeah, so I'm at the point now where I'm on the final portions in both games and they just up the difficulty to a point where it's like, now let's see if you mastered what we've like basically taught you up until this point. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, a bit of like a, a trek here to get to the end, but hopefully I'll have beaten this game and then I can tell you what I'll be playing next because I'm looking forward to it. I have two games on my radar leading heavily towards one right now. Um, and I would like to tell you next week that I have started one of those games, but it does. I want you to tell me. Yes. Hey, <laughs> Dub, let's get right into it. Let's get into these topics of the week. Top topics of the week. You know, now you know we didn't have this big uh, PlayStation showcase this week. Last week we ran about two and a half hours. I believe it's going to be shorter this week, but there was still some news that we were able to pull from the internet. And so, Ada, would you like to lead off this week's topics of the week? Yes, I will lead off with a pretty solid one that that a fair amount of people might have experienced that most of you haven't because most of you ain't got consoles yet. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the second major firmware update for the PlayStation 5 has been released. This is the one that brings with it the, the activation of the expansion slot for the M2 SSD hard drive. So it's gonna allow you to use it. These SSDs can range from 250 gigs to four terabytes, and you also want to make sure that you check with any Sony, any Sony publications or you know Sony websites to make sure one you're getting an M2 SSD that is compatible with the system, and you're also getting one that will fit into the slot with a heatsink attached, which Sony says you very much want to do because you do not want it to overheat. So previously, we were just using our external hard drives and SSDs, but that was limited. You couldn't run PS5 games from those, and for a good while, you couldn't even put PS5 games on those. There was an update in April that allowed us to move PS5 games back and forth from an external hard drive. But now with the activation of the M2 slot, you can have expanded internal storage and run games from that. So that's pretty awesome. That's something that your boy A-Dub is probably gonna do somewhere down the line because I don't wanna move a bunch of games back and forth. As you guys probably know from listening to the show or just following gaming news in general, there are metric tons of games that are going to be releasing just in the next 12 months alone so you're going to want to have some space ready 
However, that was just the big part of the update. There were some quality of life features that were introduced with this update. I mean, for one, they definitely streamlined the trophy screen. Uh, you remember back on the PS3 and PS4 days when you're going and looking at trophies, sometimes you would see like half of the description of what it takes to earn the trophy and you would have to go into them individually to figure out what's going on. You don't have to do that anymore. You can just go on the trophy menu and you see all the trophies as well as full descriptions of what it takes to unlock those. Um, let me see this update. It's going to be coming with user experience enhancements. One thing they're doing is they're making it a bit more clear what's going on with PS4 versions and PS5 versions of games uh, before the update. What would happen is that say you say you got like Hades and it's there, you see it on, on the XMB, you're hovering over it. However, you're not quite sure if you're playing the PS4 version of the game or the PS5 version of the game. You would hit the options button, you would go down to version and you would see you would be able to see and select which version of the game you want to pick now you don't really have to worry about that anymore because games are going to be represented with their versions separate on the cross menu bar after installing the update i saw that i now had two hades tiles one for the ps4 version one for the ps5 version they had slightly different artwork so i promptly deleted the ps4 version held on to that PS5 version. So yeah, a little more transparency there. Uh, they're gonna have an equalizer for the, the Pulse 3D headset. And then that's something that you can check out in the control center functions. Uh, PS Now subscribers will be able to choose whether they wanna stream their content in 720p in 1080p. And the biggest part, in my opinion, <laughs> maybe in AMC's opinion as well. You can finally customize the layout and the contents of the control center icons. So this is something that I dove into immediately. And by immediately, I mean after AMC had mentioned it in a text. So yeah, I went in, tested it out, rearranged some things, removed some things. I put the, put the power button all the way on the left side instead of all the way right side, put the, the wireless controller button right next to it, remove the music button, remove other things that I don't necessarily use. And now my control center experience is a little more streamlined and tailored fit to my personal needs and specifications. AMC, what has your experience been like with this firmware update? Uh, pretty good. I, I like that they have it. I definitely, I did the same thing as you, just... I more or less removed things. I didn't change anything. One, just because I got used to um, the way it's like set up now, like to the point where it's like, ah, you know what? It's not so bad. Um, all the stuff <laughs> that was like, you know, when you criticize something because it's the first time you saw it and it's different from what you're used to. And it's like, why would they do this? Like, <laughs> yeah. But then eventually you just get used to it. And it's like, actually, I can see why they did it or it's actually not that bad. Um, and so, yeah, like um, the power button, that was the one where I was like, oh shit, like I should move that over. But then I was like, oh, I, I learned how to push left instead of, you know, going right every time for five icons to get to the power button. I just push left once and then I'm at the power button. So I was like, ah, you know what, this isn't that bad. I just really, what I did was I just cut down on, you know, the um, 
the noise is, I guess is how I'll put it. Like any of the stuff that I wasn't interested in, I just got rid of that. So at least like, um, all the icons that are there are things that are relevant to me. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that they did it just because now it shows that they are somewhat paying attention to, you know, some enhancements people want. It'll be interesting to see if like somewhere down the line, they get back to, you know, being able to choose your, your background again, like how they did on like the PS4. Um, but that's, yes. that's something that would be like, a that'd be very different from what they have currently. So we'll see if they ever get back to those days, but as of right now, I did, I did enjoy those quality of life, um, additions. Uh, I, as I mentioned to you, I didn't really read much up on it, but I, I saw that like, there was like a reward system <laughs> that they put in there where you can like people you play with online, you can give them like a trophy or whatever for like, Oh, this guy uh-huh. is a great, a great player or whatever. <laughs> So that doesn't rage quit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's something that like I'd seen in other games that I thought were were used very well. In this situation, not I, I'm not I'm not sure if it'll pick up quite the same because I know in Overwatch, some of the benefit of the well, the major benefit of you know getting those rewards is that it would add to um additional experience. Um, if you say got like the highest got the most votes like in a match and things along those lines. So um but, boxes. Yeah, exactly um but with this one you know it, it, it still was something cool another way to interact with people um outside of video games or outside of you know the game that you're playing but um yeah some some cool additions here i'll say hopefully uh we'll see some more coming this way uh anything else now, you like you like you i also got used to the power button being all the way on the left but mm. i feel much better now that i mean on the right now that it's all the way on the left I'm still used to it being over there every now and then I'll just muscle memory, hit the PS button, hit right. And then I'm over there and it's like, wait a minute, it's all the way over there. So now I'm getting used to, you know, saving that extra fraction of a second of my life. You know, I'm probably going to spend that learning another hobby or something, but it's, it's nice. (laughs) It's nice just being able to push the button and then rest well. What's funny too, is like, I didn't change it. And I'm having. I'm struggling to remember what is right there on the the furthest left at <laughs> my default. Is it the switcher? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I never even knew what was over there. I never used anything over there, so it's like if yeah. if if, if the first thing that's going to be highlighted is something I'm not using, what is the point here? <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm trying to remember what it is that's there. <laughs> well, like now I, I'll never know because I changed everything. <laughs> yeah, I do know the, uh, I do use the switcher, um, but uh, that's the only, so that might be what's there because I do use that pretty often. Uh, now, what does the switcher do? Like, do you, you keep other things running in the background between games? Uh, yeah, so basically it's, because uh, with Marissa and I, like, we'll watch, like, you know, like, we have our two shows, we'll, like, we have, we'll watch, like, a night. And so multiple um, multiple streaming services. And so the Switcher pretty much just keeps a tab of your recent history. So it's like, you use, basically, you play this game, and you use these two streaming apps most recently. And so it's a quick way to always just, to, to just go in between them rather than, you know, going to the menu uh every time and so that's Mm. like that's really it's like a recent history of like what apps you've used um so it's like all there banked um other than that yeah that's um yeah i pretty much use that in the power button (laughs) more than anything (laughs) so um if that's not there then i'm I'm gonna have to make some changes uh yeah other than that that's uh anything else you got there nope 
So right. speaking of changes, we're going to mm-hmm. change to our next topic of the week. To- topic of the week. Let's see. Uh, yeah, let's see what we got here. You know what? Let's go right into. You know, let's go into a delay. This one. Uh, what? Yeah, we got a delay. Um, if you guys, what were, else am I not playing in twenty twenty one? And uh, if you guys were looking forward to, um, you know, playing playing death matches while driving a tank and and, mm. and, and killing somebody with a defibrillator. <laughs> You, have to, you might have to wait a little bit longer because Battlefield 2042 has been delayed. Not, uh, not damn. Not not too bad of a delay, about a month, but it is somewhat somewhat critical. Uh, if you're one of those people who likes to speculate how how games do, so this came by way of The Verge. Battlefield 2042, DICE's upcoming entry in the Battlefield series, has been delayed by nearly a month, DICE parent company EA announced on Wednesday. The game's release date has been pushed from October 22nd to November 19th. The important thing there is that uh, Call of Duty comes out, I believe, ah, shit. It comes out now, I believe, uh, November, I think, 4th or the 11th. I just had this and I got rid of it. Anyways... Now Call of Duty comes out before Battlefield, whereas opposed to Battlefield would have come out uh, in October. So people would have had their hands on that game before Call of Duty came out. And so, you know, speculation, people are like, oh, and now if Call of Duty is already out, I guess less people are going to want Battlefield now. <laughs> so, Battlefield out to die, AMC. Yeah, I know. <laughs> is it going to get swallowed, AMC? There can only be one, AMC. <laughs> there can only be one. Um, I know that there were a lot of people that were actually looking forward to Battlefield this year. So I think it's one of those things that I think if you were going to get Battlefield, you're going to get it anyways. I, I, I'm not sure why now having Call of Duty out like a week earlier than Battlefield would now keep you from buying battlefield but um yeah that's that's all the speculation um so yeah you're gonna have to wait a month to you know kill people with knives and defibrillators and all that good stuff that we saw in the trailer how much overlap between those fan bases is there i I feel like if you're a battlefield guy then you're not really a call of duty guy and if you're a call of duty guy you're not really a battlefield guy and that's an assumption that's that's how i would look at it it's like if you're if you're into one game, you're not really into the other one, especially being that battle, they're kind of very different. And that battlefield um, utilizes a lot of like vehicles, like on their battlefields and things along those lines. Whereas Call of Duty is like a straight up like first person shooter. Um, and then also, I know a lot of destructibility, yeah, destructibility. I know Battlefield also has Battlefield Portal coming where you'll be able to customize a lot of your matches. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's more of a it's a very different warlike element as opposed to uh, I, I look at Call of Duty as more of like a straight up just shooter, whereas Battlefield is uh, you have like your units, you can serve different roles in the battles. It's not like everybody's out there trying to find the best gun and just shoot the guy like you might just be trying to look for a tank or a fucking jet. Uh, so there's it's it's a different um, approach, I would say. So I wouldn't think there's a lot of crossover, but. The first thing I heard when I saw this delay was like, oh, no, this is bad because everybody's just going to buy Call of Duty now. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I, I, I think it's uh, I think uh, especially now that we're past the days of, um, you know, people in there, the, it's 2042. So you don't have to worry about historical accuracy with this battlefield. So a lot of the things that weighed on the previous battlefield, I think, are going to carry over to this one. And I still I still imagine that this one's going to do well, regardless of the delay. 
But what about prehistorical accuracy, AMC? What if they get it? What if they get it wrong? What if we get to twenty forty two and they were off? Exactly. You yeah. know, you know, somebody's gonna come like it's twenty forty two and a plane battlefield twenty forty two. It's not syncing up. Yeah, I would assume in twenty forty two there would be driverless tanks. <laughs> Why would there be people controlling the tanks? So yeah, twenty forty two. We are not fighting our own wars. Yeah, I mean, we can, we can, you could argue that we're not right now <laughs> by the by some of the uh, the headlines, unfortunately, that came out recently based on uh, a drone yeah. strike. So yeah, um, yeah, we're definitely in that transition period where the drones are proving their worth over boots on the ground, as one might say. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all I got for that story. You want to keep it moving, A Dub, into the next topic of the week. Uh, topic of the week. Let's get back to some Sony news. Yes. Let, let's let's build up some aspirations for the future. Let's, <sighs> let's build up something to look forward to. <clears throat> PlayStation, new PlayStation Studio Fire Sprite. Did we mention last week about the acquisition of Fire Sprite? No, I remember the episode went like two and a half hours. So in the quick hits, I literally just said, Sony acquired a studio. You could read up on that. So let's get into it now. Ah, that's right. So <laughs> the studio that they acquired is a UK-based developer. Uh, they used to do like VR stuff. They're known as Firespray. Uh, this follow-up story to that very quick hit is that new PlayStation Studio Firesprite is working on a new AAA narrative adventure. There's no word on whether or not this is going to be PSVR coming but from Matt Kim from IGN. It says there's a job listing posted on their website. Firesprite's looking for a writer for the development of an ambitious unannounced AAA title. The job will require the writer to create compelling character and story, and an ideal candidate is someone who understands how to construct a branching narrative. So that suggests that we're going to be dealing with something that has choice, perhaps different outcomes, perhaps you're, you're going to have decisions you make early on that have an effect later on. Who knows? AMC, how do you feel about this? Uh, you know, I... I don't even, to be honest, I don't even know what games uh, Fire Sprite made before this. Uh, so it's the only thing I will say about this is this is, I think, the acquisition that people are okay with. <laughs> Meaning that, like, people, whenever there's an acquisition, especially like as of late with like Microsoft, uh, they're like, oh, it's bad for the consumer. They're acquiring mm -hmm. studios, which leads to more exclusivity, which is bad for us because then that means we have to buy another console, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, Taking fire sprite Can't pay from my internet. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, taking fire sprite off of the table doesn't really um, isn't really going to upset people. And hopefully, if anything, Sony saw something in what they had done in the past. You said like I guess they worked on VR games that they were like, hey, let's scoop yeah. Them so up. they they developed the game, the persistence, and PlayStation, the playroom experience. Yeah, um, and so yeah, with that, like. Um, Sony saw some something some talent there. And if anything you could say about Sony is they seem to have a good eye for talent when it comes to picking up uh these studios. We saw this with Housemark. We definitely saw that with Insomniac. And mm -hmm. yeah, so um if anything, um Sony saw something that this company some value there that they could you know acquire this company and put them to work. And so uh the only other thing I would say is 
it might have come as somewhat of a surprise because you know people have just been waiting for the announcement that Sony has acquired Bluepoint, and the fact that this wasn't <clears> the <throat> announcement, um, I guess, caught people by surprise as far as you know level of um, I don't know if it's excitement or just you know like bringing up like discussion and, and what does this mean moving forward for the industry and Sony as a whole. But um, I think it's a good sign though if Sony acquired them, that means that. We're probably going to get a good game from them in the future. That's that's a that's a high assumption, but I'm going based on history. How about yourself? What do you think about this? Well, like you said, Sony has an eye for talent. We saw it with Housemark. We saw it with Insomniac. And you know, people people have been going head over heels for Microsoft and their acquisition storm, especially culminating in the big F five magnitude hurricane that was buying out ZeniMax, which included Bethesda and all the studios associated with that. When it comes to those kind of acquisitions, it's like Microsoft, it's their, their buying games and franchises. They aren't necessarily integrating these studios for the purpose of building new things. And, you know, we'll see as the years roll by, but so far we're getting sequels to established franchises and things of that nature. Whereas with Sony, they do their acquisitions based on the talent in order for them to be able to create new and interesting products for that ecosystem. Like they also cultivate these relationships from developers that have a history of making exclusive titles and working closely with Sony. So they it's more tight knit and a more nurtured relationship than what Microsoft has been doing lately. So I do have, I don't have high hopes, but I have hopes for what this is, especially since they're taking a developer that has been making their PSVR titles now focusing them on making a narrative AAA title. So the last time a developer that Sony acquired went from making the games that they're used to making to something of a more AAA style, more AAA presentation was Housemark and Returnal. Returnal being instantly one of my new favorite games and easily a game of the year contender for 2021. You heard it here first. That's it, so <laughs> making predictions yeah that's right i'm putting it out there you gotta you gotta put it out in the universe you gotta claim it <laughs> so yeah i definitely have optimism for this i'm looking forward to finally seeing an announcement and seeing what is going to come from this fire sprite they're not a terribly small studio i mean their their employee count is somewhere in the hundreds couple hundred almost 300 employees so they're they got a good size they have enough size to make a triple a game and we'll just have to wait and see so i'm a little pumped but let's get into our next topic of the week top topic, topic of, of the, the week. week well we have another delay dub we have another delay oh, this being this is God this is a game that's it. been delayed multiple times already that being Dying Light 2. <laughs> so this comes by way of IGN. Techland announced that Dying Light 2 has been delayed to February 4th, 2022. Um, never coming out. 
So coming from Techland, unfortunately, we've realized for us to bring the game to the level we envision, we need more time to polish and optimize it. Pretty much what you hear from every delay. Um, mm-hmm. So a little history with their delay. With uh, an initial release date of spring 2020, the studio announced in January of last year that it was delaying Dying Light 2 indefinitely. Then uh, in May, it announced that the game was uh, would have a December 2021 release date, and that obviously being delayed now to February 4th, 2022. So, I mean, it's about a year <laughs> that it's been delayed. Uh, actually, no, it's uh, two years, actually, because it said spring 2020. Yeah, it's supposed <laughs> to come out in spring 2020, and now we're going all the way to basically almost spring of 2022 so yeah there's a lot to work on they did say that this is their biggest game uh their biggest project they've ever worked on um from the screenshots that i've seen not screenshots but the gameplay that i've seen of dying light 2 it does look phenomenal um Mm -hmm. and so there's probably it's maybe it's bigger world maybe a lot more added in that way and so there's just a lot where there's a lot that they have to just you know fine-tune you know, you can't have those those rough edges in a game where it's like, this game is fun, but then I got this mission and everything just went to shit <laughs> and this mission. And because of that, yeah. with, the, with the day and night cycles, things along those lines, um, I imagine there's just a lot going on with this game that they want to make sure is, is perfect. And why not? Because the first game was received so well. And if not, um, I would even say like that, like it was a game that shocked a lot of people how well it was. Um, I also like I for some reason notably with this with uh the first dying light is one of those games that like those Q1 games that people would normally write off and it did really well and then I just I felt like after that point there were all these games coming out in Q1 just because they weren't worried about game sales at that point there's always this uh, you know like it's after the holidays so people aren't buying video games. They got all the games they wanted for Christmas. So why would they buy a game in January or February? And then Dying Light did really well. And it seems like now a bunch of great games come out around this time. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they want to get this game nice and fine-tuned. How, how do you feel about this delay, though? Well, like you said, the, the game has a lot going on, so they're going to need that time. But in some respects, it has a little less going on because the news also broke that Dying Light 2 will not have guns. It'll be all melee weapons this time around. Uh, if you play Dying Light, then that probably doesn't hit you terribly hard because it was almost a melee exclusive experience for a majority of the game until later on when you finally do get some guns. And those just, you know, simplified experience. For me, it's, you know, take all the time you need. Delays never really hurt me because I know that if they're pushing it back, then they need that time in order to get the game to where it needs to be. Uh, Dying Light, the original one, was surprisingly outstanding. I'm very picky when it comes to first-person games, and Dying Light came around, and it, it caught me by surprise. The, the traversal system was awesome. You know, having to stay off the ground and stay away from zombies, and having the day-night cycle, and they get more aggressive, different types come out, you're scavenging, you're crafting, you're helping people. <laughs> it was, it's a glorious experience. So the wait's going to be a little longer, but I'm fairly certain that it's going to be worth it. 
on top of that, we know that Techland is just top grade when it comes to their post-launch support of their games. So even after you get a hold of Dying Light 2, you know, there's going to be a lot more Dying Light 2 to come. A lot of it's going to be at no charge to the consumer. So if you care about that sort of thing, this might be where you want to be. Yeah, it, it doesn't bother me. I want them to take all the time they need. Dying Light 2, it's not even something, it's not a day one game for me. However, watching gameplay footage of it, I am incredibly impressed by how much of a step up from the original that it is. I'm really liking the improvements to the melee combat system, you know, jumping, jumping off of walls and hitting dudes, dodging to the side, blocking. It's, it's, it's nice to see melee combat be improved and expanded upon. You know, even if it is in the first person space where I'm not too comfortable with that kind of combat system. So yeah, Techland, they have my full support. But let's get into the next topic of the week. Top, topic, topic of, of the, the week. week. Week, week. This is a pretty big topic. This is a, a, a multifaceted topic. This is about THQ Nordic celebrating their 10th anniversary. And how do they do that, AMC? By announcing games, mm-hmm. biatch. <laughs> yeah, THQ Nordic. They had a they had a pretty. It was a very. It was a very focused, tight, and brief event. They didn't linger too long. They didn't bog you down with a whole bunch of corporate speak and a whole bunch of financial numbers and, you know, our players logged a billion hours of battle chasers. And, you know, none of that stuff. They got into it. First of all, they had your boy Jeff Keighley doing all the heavy lifting. And then they let the games speak for themselves. They revealed a number of things. First and foremost, they showed us some gameplay of the Destroy All Humans 2 remake the reprobed edition. AMC, you seem to be you seem to be pretty resonant with that product. You seem to understand what was going on. How did you feel about the destroy all humans to reprobed? Look good. I I haven't played any of the previous ones. When I saw the gameplay, it looked fun. Um it has a good um tone to it as far as like mm-hmm. you know people you kind of want these games out there, like the open world fun games, um, as opposed to like, you know, the, the open world serious games. Uh, and this one has like everything that you love, especially when you look at some of the reactions to, uh, you know, the announcement of the recent Saints Row. And people are saying like, oh, I like the more comical side of Saints Row. This one looks a little more down to earth. Um, well, this it seems like Destroy All Humans will definitely scratch that itch for those people who want that. I just seeing like it reminded me of uh, just looking at the gameplay of an open world Ratchet and Clank as far as the uh, the diversity of abilities that you have and the zaniness that ensues with them. So like there was a uh, like I don't know, he's flying on a jetpack, he's blasting people with uh, lasers. Then he's picking them up with his telekinesis, slamming them on the ground. Uh, and then at another point, the alien is, um, I guess we'll just say enchanting them. And the characters are all doing their dance, similar to the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the Groovatron or whatever that we love in Ratchet yeah. and Clank. Uh, he also right. 
he also possessed or jumped inside a person like mind controlled and then he's running around as this person in the town so it just has like a little bit of like everything that you love in those games that just kind of like really give you the sandbox and a bunch of abilities to really have fun with it and so this game uh i know people were excited when um was it uh destroy all humans the 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 first like I guess remake or remaster was announced. So this being the second one um, coming back, it's, you know, when THQ Nordic, when it was announced that they were picking up all these, um, these, these franchises that were, I guess, dormant, uh, people were like, well, what are they going to do with it? What are they going to do with it? And and now it seems like they're starting to make good. Obviously, you need time to develop games. That's like one of those things like Microsoft where people come down on them. It's like, well, they just picked up those studios. Now they have to put them to work. Um, and so it, it's going to take a little bit. And uh, yeah, and so we're seeing now the fruits of those labors with uh, THQ Nordic. And it seems like just based off of some of the reaction that I've seen, the people who were looking forward to these games are happy to buy what was presented. And yeah, that was just the first. So let's keep, let's keep it moving. Keep it moving. Next game that was revealed was a sequel to a 1999 cult open world action adventure game. This is Outcast 2, A New Beginning. As writes IGN, Outcast was one of the first true open world games in the modern era, and its sense of scale and exploration was ahead of anything else in its time. Outcast 2 will once again put players in a massive alien open world for them to explore, though there are certainly more open world games today than there were in 1999. So yes, this is the return of the Outcast franchise. When I was looking over this, I saw a blend of kind of just uh, the best way to describe it is like the lush greenery of jungle rainforest environments kind of like more primitive primitive culture with a mix of this modern sci-fi element going on with your main character as well as the invaders to this you know lush more primitive environment very much reminded me of Avatar. Never seen the movies, but I understand that just of it, just the the unclaimed land, the more the man, I just can't think of the word for it. I mean, I know it's like natural and the more like native and that kind of stuff. So it was interesting seeing that. So they're doing Avatar before Avatar. It'd be interesting to see if they come to market with Outcast 2 before ubisoft can get their avatar game off the ground but this one looked very interesting to me for some reason i was getting out of this world vibes from it maybe it's because of the main character and them being you know pretty technologically advanced having energy shields and things of that nature helping the people of this planet fight back the the technologically advanced invaders it definitely has the look i'm incredibly interested this was the one for the show for me how did you feel about outcast 2 amc uh look cool uh i didn't know anything about the original and so if anything uh you said this is a remaster or a remake of it no this is just a straight up sequel oh, okay cool so yeah it's uh it looked like a dope game uh I can't really say anything more than that. All I remember for some reason is the guy in his energy shield, but um, yeah. the world look the world looked interesting enough, and um, it seemed like there is there was some uh, basically what you said. It seemed like there was something going on there, and I want to see more gameplay. 
But um, it was enough there where, especially with, um, as you were comparing it to Avatar, uh, there's something about Avatar where, you know, the reactions to it has been like, like why now? Obviously, I think they are doing another movie, so it might be a little more relevant by the time that movie comes out, the game will be. Um, but I would, I personally would be more interested in this Outcast game as opposed to playing an Avatar game. Like that's something that's based on the movie. And because of that, um, this game is on my radar. I just need to see more gameplay. But from what I saw, just um, as far as like the world that it's set up and the, um, I guess, the cult-like uh, group that you might be up against or bumping up against at least, um, it has something going on there that um, at least for an open world, it's uh, it's something that's not common. Because, um, uh, you know, you're always used to seeing you know, a big city and things along those lines. This is none of that. This is like you're in the land of the Ewoks, but with, mm-hmm. uh, but with aliens. <laughs> Tree villages. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what else we got? Yeah, so it's, there's a lot of verticality going on there that I'm looking forward to. I mean, you, you're going to be able to maneuver, jump and think you got a jetpack. Might not. We'll see. But rest assured, if you were worried about this game, uh, to help retain the feeling of the original, the developers of Outcast 2 include 10 members from the original development team. And this is being developed exclusively for current gen, so that's PS5, Xbox Series X and S, as well as the PC. Next game, and I think this is one that we both enjoyed, Jagged Alliance 3. <laughs> so, So this one is the first true sequel to the Jagged Alliance tactical RPG series since 1999's Jagged Alliance 2. It's developed by Surviving Mars team at Heimamont Games. Jagged Alliance modernizes the turn-based tactics of the original. You're going to build a team of mercenaries and tactically fight your way through enemy encampments, ultimately to save the world from annihilation in this true tactical sequel, according to IGN. So for me, looking at this, I never played Jagged Alliance before. This is the first time I'm ever hearing about this franchise, but it it looks to me like a full 3D remake of Pathway, which is available on Steam. Pathway is also a tactical turn-based game. It, it draws heavily on notes of Indiana Jones, and things like that. It's kind of like if Indiana Jones and Uncharted met at a chessboard. <laughs> so that's how I would describe Pathway. And that looks a bit like what's going on with Jagged Alliance 3. It, it's got a SOCOM kind of look to it. Not SOCOM. It's got an XCOM kind of look to it. And yeah, it's tactical turn-based, beautiful environments. You know, you got your, the, the crazy Russian guy and all kinds of other mercenaries who don't stand out as much as the crazy Russian guy, so that's why you heard it like that. And yeah, man, I, I like everything I saw about it. They have different kinds of skills and abilities. You know, you go in to select your attacks, it zooms in and shows you what's going on from the character's perspective over their shoulder as you lining up your shots, picking body parts, figuring out your percentages, sending them out a shot at a time, taking dudes down, getting it covered. Oh, man. This is awesome. So this is something I'm totally going to be keeping my eyes on. AMC, how did you feel about Jagged Alliance 3? Um, yeah, any any tactical game is going to immediately you know get my attention. But yeah, this one, uh, it, had, it had something, like at least 
something a little different there, which was cool, was like the uh, the one when they showed the grenade, like throwing one two grenades. <laughs> As you pointed Two out, grenades on either <laughs> side of a guy sandwiching him between explosions. Like, yes. I, would, I wonder what that would look like on Mythbusters. Yeah, um, I also like the uh, verticality, something that like you had mentioned that Divinity Two did really well, and mm-hmm. I believe uh, XCOM had some, you know, like multi layers to like certain levels. So it has that going, and then the setting uh, also very different from you know what we're getting in a lot of the uh type of turn-based games that we've been playing as of late um so like it has something that has its own feel and just overall just happy to see another tactical turn-based game just because it's showing that the industry is embracing it and it, it's also that means that there's there's some value there as opposed to you know the assumption that everybody always makes is like well battle royales are doing well so that's all that's going to happen or live service games are doing well so that's all that's going to happen but we are seeing as you've described from all these different games they all have like their own unique feel to them none of them are the same and because of that like it's it just kind of like um refutes all those arguments that like you know that developers are only focusing on one style of thing. And I'm happy to see more tactical turn-based games, more just turn-based games in general, like that JRPG style. Um, and to see these games doing well, uh, we'll get into a story along those um, later with that, as far as like JRPGs. So yeah, um, game look cool. I want to see more of that as well, but um, that's like right that's right there on my list. I'm still leaning a little more towards Outcast 2 as of right now, but Jagged Edge definitely looks pretty dope. They also announced Expeditions Rome. So this is another tactical turn-based RPG. It's set in the Roman Republic in the time of Julius Caesar. You're going to be playing as a young Roman Legion commander. You're going to be trying to win those victories on the battlefield. You're going to try to up your ranks, and you're going to try to take on the barbarian hordes. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so this one, this one's going to be a little different in that it's going to be driven on choice. So as a true role-playing game, players will have to make choices throughout the game, which will affect how the story unfolds. The developers say that even small decisions will have major impacts on the story. Uh, this was one of the few games during the 10th anniversary showcase where the developers themselves came out and said a little bit about what was going on. It's speaking specifically on the decisions and how they impact the story. They said like even decisions that you make early on in the game could have effects later on in the game. They then went on to display some scenarios where some of your, your squad mates or your teammates or whatever, term that they use back in the Roman Republic, your your subordinates. <laughs> your, your <laughs> I'm trying to come up with just like just the most old timey saying, but I can't. But yeah, they there was a situation they were depicting where your fellow soldiers were they were talking about a decision that you were supposed to make, like, oh we we shouldn't let this person live. We should we should get rid of them right now. Uh, I don't know. We should, we should hold on to them. We should let them go. So I have a feeling that that's going to have implications later on in the story. AMC, did you see anything about Expeditions Rome that caught your eye or sparked any interest, sparked any joy? Uh, no, not really. This is this is one of the games that I kind of 
I kind of went into like a malaise or whatever. <laughs> like as it was like I was just I tuned out as uh, Rome popped up. Uh, like I saw it and I was like, "What? They bring back Rome? That like that Xbox game that nobody talks about anymore?" Um, oh, you mean uh, what was it? Uh, <laughs> rise? Yeah, right. What is it? Rise? Yes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, so yeah, when I saw this one, um, you know, I just really uh, wasn't on my radar. But um, I mean, what, what was cool about it is that it seems like a little more detailed as far as like, not like tabletop, but um, I know that like as you're as leading your battalions into battle, it showed him going through, it showed the character going through their units. And like, you would see like one guy like had like a broken leg or something. So it's like, you pull him out of the squad. Mm-hmm. So things like that, like um, you have to really... Um, I guess micromanage but you know pay attention to your units um because i guess there are like lingering effects from previous battles that carry over and so it does give it um a more it gives a little more realism to that aspect of the turn-based combat and so that is kind of cool it's like more of a it's like a more of a traditional campaign as opposed to you know what we get from a lot of other games so because of that 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 did make it stand out but um not one of my top games, I would say, but you know, not shitting on it as well. We got yeah, I mean, they they didn't have too many head turners. I mean, they were the likes of Motocross versus ATV Legends, there was mm-hmm. Superpower Three, and Elix Two, which I'm sure some people will be excited about. Looks pretty interesting. Not necessarily for myself, but I know there are those who enjoy it. And then they finished off the show strong. AMC. They revealed. SpongeBob SquarePants, the Cosmic Shake. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so that's a brand new game. SpongeBob, there was no gameplay footage. However, there was a very entertaining and delightful CG trailer showing SpongeBob jumping between different dimensional rifts, turning into various iterations of himself that have probably been featured on the cartoon. That'll get people very excited for what possibly might await them when we finally see what this game is going to be all about. How did you feel about it, AMC? Um, only thing I would say here is that it's nice to see Nickelodeon, like um, you know, getting out there with their with their properties. We know that that uh, Nickelodeon like Smash Brothers style game uh, is coming, and then also Super Smash Nickelodeon Brothers. Yeah, and then now with the SpongeBob game on the way, um, yeah, they're staying out there and they're letting developers do what they want with their with their licenses and. It's, they seem to be like, you know, I'm not hearing bad things about their games, which is um, also a good note. Uh, and so, yeah, with that, um, that's all I really have to say. I'm not super interested in a SpongeBob game. I believe the, the previous SpongeBob game actually was like received pretty well. I've heard people like say that they enjoyed playing it. And so why not? Why not give us another one? That's Absolutely. all I got on that story. So we want to congratulate THQ on their 10 year anniversary. Uh, this, the conclusion of this showcase came with a, a little factoid. They revealed something like 10 games or something in this, in this showcase, and they still have 28 that are unannounced. So, you know, if you're on the fence about the things that they've shown, if you wish that they showed different things, if you were looking for something specific and this show left you thinking that perhaps those hopes have been dashed, rest assured, there's still a solid chance that the thing you want to see is in the works. Just give them time. 
let's get into our next topic of the week topic of Of the the week week. yes let's get into we we got a august npd a dub so i'm gonna be going through a lot of lists here so let's let's get right into it so august 2021 npd these are the top 20 best-selling games of the month in the united states only so keep that in mind fifa is not going to be on the top of this list because there's no europe in here all right so number one we got a new game a dub but it's not a new game that being madden nfl 2022 no surprise madden comes out right madden gets to the top of the list number two a dub might be a surprise we'll see um that being ghost of tsushima Obviously, this is in line with uh, Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut coming out. And so it mentioned, it, it always shows where uh, a game fell the previous month. So for August, Ghost of Tsushima number two, the previous month, it was 110. <laughs> so people showed out for that Director's Cut. Uh, number three, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Number four, Humankind. Number five, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales still holding on. Number six, Mario Kart 8, because people just can't get enough of that game. Number seven, The Legend of Zelda Scoured Sword. I thought nobody wanted to play this. I thought this was the worst Zelda in the series, but yet people are so buying it. People were so pumped. Yeah. <laughs> Number eight, Minecraft, because that game won't go away. Number nine, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Number 10, MLB The Show 20. 21 uh and then i'll just read off the rest of these super smash brothers ultimate call of duty modern warfare ratchet and clank rift apart animal crossing new horizons pokemon sword and shield mortal kombat 8 11 super mario 3d world the legend of zelda breath of the wild mario golf super rush and super mario party Uh, a lot of nintendo there um we have a note here for nf for madden nfl 2022 this is the second consecutive year that, oh no, not second. This is the 22nd consecutive year that Madden NFL franchise release was the best selling title in its launch month. Yeah, that's like a guarantee for EIE. 22nd. <laughs> so Madden comes out, you know it's going to sell. Mm, let's get into the top 10 best selling games of the year so far. Number one, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Number two, MLB The Show 21 damn uh so i guess game pass didn't hurt those sales at all number three resident evil village number four madden nfl 22 so came out and it's already the fourth best-selling game of the year number five super mario 3d world number six marvel spider-man miles morales let's go number seven mario kart 8 <laughs> damn mario kart 8 is one of the best-selling games of the year number uh eight Monster Hunter Rise, 9, Minecraft, and 10, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Now we'll do the top five on each individual console. Number one, uh, on the Nintendo, Mario Kart 8. Two, The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Jesus. Uh, Three, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and five, Pokemon Sword and Shield. For PlayStation, their top five for August. One, Madden NFL 2022. Two, Ghost of Tsushima. Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, and number five, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And for Xbox, their top five for August, one, Madden NFL 2022, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and number five, A-Dub, Flight Simulator. (laughs) 
Uh, Damn. Yeah, let's see. So as far as hardware goes, Nintendo Switch was the best-selling hardware in units during the month of August. And year-to-date, also the best-selling in units. While PlayStation 5 leads dollar sales for uh, August and year-to-date. Let's see. Another note. After 10 months in the market, PlayStation 5 remains the fastest selling PlayStation platform in history. And this is even with the, uh, you know, the console constraints. And one last note, the Xbox Elite Series 2 wireless controller was the best selling accessory for August, while the PlayStation 5 DualSense wireless controller white remains the best selling accessory for 2021 year to date. Um, only thing I have here to pose to you, A-Dub, is seeing the success of Ghost of Tsushima's director's cut, um, you know, with the whole thing with um, upgrades, backwards compatibility, yada, yada, yada. Um, I don't know. Like, do you have any thoughts on the success of the director's cuts being that, like, you know, people were wondering, like, oh, this gets rid of, like, the remasters, yada, yada, yada. But it seems like Sony has still found a way to, you know, milk these, milk, milk the value out of these games, even going from, even going from generation to generation. Where did it fall on the list? It was number two. And this is uh, in a debut month. In a debut month. Yeah. And I said uh, the previous month, it was at 110. (laughs) So it went from 110 to number two uh, within a, within a month because of the director's cut. That's right. Bullshit, man. I mean, it, it, it speaks for itself. It, people get on the internet and they make all this big talk about how they personally feel about things and they try to extend their personal feelings to the community at large when that's not how anything works because the gaming community as a collective speaks a much different language than any group of individuals on the internet. It's like you guys don't want to pay your 10 bucks. Oh, you don't want to, you don't want to get an expansion for one of the best games of 2020. Fine. Don't do it. But there's millions upon millions of others who don't give a damn what you think, who love these games and are going to support them. So they go out, they buy this stuff. It charts. What was number three? Number three was uh, call of duty. <laughs> so, so it beat call of duty. <laughs> yeah. It beat call of duty and was just behind Madden. <laughs> which trailed a man yeah and this is a game is like and this is a game that came out last year <laughs> yeah game that came out last year and, and this is for an expansion uh-huh yeah and it, an expansion that come that possibly comes with an upgrade to the playstation 5 version so this could be a mix of all kinds of people people who wanted to just get the additional content, people who wanted to get that content and the upgrade, people who just wanted to get the upgrade and the content was a bonus. They, they, it reached so many different markets. So you're telling Sony what they can and can't do, yet when the dollars come in, it's saying that what they want to do is indeed the way to do things. We need to all kind of calm down and step away from the keyboard and just let the business handle itself. You don't have to buy it if you don't want it. Let things happen the way they're going to happen. Yeah, I would say in addition to that, um, with Ghost uh, of Tsushima director's cut, um, I was just on Push Square, and they were going through the uh, the PlayStation stores, like you know, top downloads for uh, for the month, and they were showing that Ghost of Tsushima it was number one in Europe, 
and number two in the US. Uh, this is just on the PlayStation Store. And the note that they made was that this didn't include upgrades. So this is just people just flat out buying <laughs> the $70 version of Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut. So like, well, as you the said- The 70 and the 60. Yeah. And so uh, this basically just shows that like, that as much as the community makes it about them, there are always, there's all these people that don't fall into that category <laughs> of people who Which are is like, like all the people. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like they, they assume that everybody who's gotten goes to Sushima at this point has already gotten it and isn't going to have to deal with the upgrade. And yes, like Sony needed to set up like, you know, a consistent upgrade policy so that people wouldn't have to question how things work moving forward. But at the same time, try to squeeze them out of $10 in profit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's also showing that like this, this isn't the only consumer like Sony is they're dealing with a ton of different types of people, casuals, people who are just showing up for the first time, yada, yada, yada. And so they, they, they want to take care of everybody, but at the same time, they can't just cater to this one, like, you know, this one hardcore base that only seems to think about themselves when it comes to anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th the same situation occurred when they revealed the, the Legacy of Thieves collection that includes the remasters of Uncharted 4 and Uncharted Lost Legacy where people were taken to the internet, Sony's the new Nintendo and <laughs> trying to, <laughs> they're, they're, Sony's trying to, Sony's trying to, like, and we can't let them get away with charging us $70 for remasters of PS4 games. And it's like, Sony already revealed earlier this year that I think, what, one in five PS5 owners didn't have a PS4. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy didn't exactly sell like 100 million copies. They probably sold anywhere between 10 and 20, like probably closer to 10 than to 20. So there's a lot of people who haven't played these games. There's a lot of people who didn't have PS4s that now have PS5s. And it's not always about you online gamer <laughs> like there are other people in the market who have a demand for these products or who may be interested in them and they're getting these new consoles it's sony's opportunity to introduce these people to these franchises to these products and doing so with enhanced upgraded versions that unfortunately we didn't get to experience back when the games came out but you know what if you're that interested, if you're down for the product, you can go ahead and buy them yourself, or you can just take your PS4 version and use your backwards compatibility that you've been begging for for several generations now, because mm -hmm. that's always an option too. It's not as if it's a different game. It just has some graphical enhancements. It's probably gonna load faster. Who knows? But same game. So if you have it already, why are you complaining? If you don't have it already, why are you complaining? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like they're trying to take care of everybody. Enjoy the ride. Yes, that's all I got with that topic. A Dub, do you have a? Uh, do you have another topic? Oh, I do have another topic because yes. you know, it's people. It just building on this conversation with the next topic of the week. Top, top topic, topic of, of the week. week. And, and people who just can't 
see beyond themselves. <laughs> Gran Turismo's got some news. <laughs> so, uh, Kazunori Yamauchi has gone on record and let it be known that Gran Turismo 7 will require an always online connection. (laughs) (laughs) So if you've heard, if you haven't heard the term always online before, let me bring you up to speed. We've encountered this term a few times in the past. I've got a couple of notable examples. One is with Diablo 3 when it first came out on PS on PC and required an always online connection, an issue was that people were having connection problems. You couldn't get online, which meant you couldn't play the game because everybody was trying to play it at the same time. It became kind of a nightmare scenario for Activision Blizzard. So I believe eventually that requirement came down. Another scenario where we were introduced to the concept of always being online was the reveal of the Xbox One. Initially, the reveal for that console was that it would have a persistent always online connection to verify that it is in fact you playing these games. They were gonna implement all these systems like home sharing or what is it, uh, fam- like family sharing or some kind of sharing yeah. where you could have a certain amount of games in your library that you can allow a a small group of people to be able to play in addition to yourself. So you could have Gears of War 5 and like five other people in your network could play your copy of Gears of War 5. So in all honesty, the Xbox One reveal, even with its always online requirement, was a pretty interesting idea. It would have moved us forward. It would have ushered in a whole new era of sharing games, but that was going to come at the expense of not being able to trade in first party Xbox one games. And of course, you know, people love trading in their games, getting their dollars back, rolling it over to the next game because nobody wants to keep games, but everybody wants all the games. (laughs) So yeah, that went tragic for Xbox. They had to, scrap the whole idea, basically turn the Xbox One back into a more traditional console and the rest was history. Now we're at this point with the Xbox Series consoles X and S. They've seemed to have recovered from the blender that they made at the outset of the previous generation. And you know, we're we're moving forward. Fast forward, now we have GT7. Now it's Sony's blender. Nah, it's Sony's blunder. Except, you know, this time they're coming at it just with an individual game rather than their whole console ecosystem. <laughs> so Yamauchi explained that the online requirement, it's in order for you to have your saved data more preserved to maintain that integrity. So what he's saying is the requirement for online connection isn't specific to the cafe per se, cafe being one of the modes of Gran Turismo. It's just to prevent cheating overall from people trying to modify the save data. So that's the reason for the online connection. He also said that the only part of the game that doesn't require an online connection is the arcade mode because that has no effect on save data. So 
there, there is an avenue for you. Uh, another aspect is deliveries. So what he's saying is that livery data is downloaded from the servers, even when you're playing offline. So an online connection is something that is needed pretty much throughout the game. AMC, is this going to affect your decision to purchase and play Gran Turismo 7? Not at all, because I didn't plan on getting Gran Turismo 7. Um, you know, obviously, this is more of the, Why uh, is that, though? Because I just never never been into driving games, they do. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> every every episode we do, as much as we have in common, I always discover more that we don't have in common. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, and so I'll just stick to the topic, which is this whole always online thing that it comes up every year because um, I know it was like a big thing with uh, live service games. It'd be like, well, it was like, oh, I don't want to play with other people. That's fine. But you still need to be online to play the game. It's like, well, I don't want to be online if I'm playing single player. It's like, well, unfortunately, that's not the case. And so there was a lot of backlash to live service games uh, because of so that. So much backlash. Yeah, and it's. I think it's any game. It's weird though because you don't. You never see this with, you know, like Call of Duty or any of those games that pretty much can only be played online. <laughs> Unless everybody Destiny, plays. the yeah. division. Yeah, unless like people are like only playing a campaign, which is we know is not like the truth. So it's funny that it's only with these games where people get upset that uh that there's always online and suddenly it's like their internet connection isn't great and blah 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 blah. Um or they don't have internet at all. Yeah. Like as you said, connecting like like connecting this this thread between this and the previous topic in that like there's i'm sure these developers i'm sure sony they have all this data they do this math and they know they can at least estimate how much of that of their community is maybe falls into this category and then they move forward with that i mean they we 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 saw them quote like go back on their word with cross gen and say that you know there's 100 million or whatever ps4 is out there so it'd be stupid to ignore that that large base of people um and so i'm sure also when they make a decision like this it's you know are there really a ton of people out there that are really worried about this is is having to be connected online while playing uh, gran turismo is that going to really affect their their gameplay their, their gameplay experience yada yada, yada things like exactly. and once they do like, all are that, you coming are you coming around the final turn in a race and thinking to yourself this would be so much better if i wasn't connected to the internet yeah and obviously they 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 explained why they did it and they probably looked at it as like we might piss off people with this always online thing but we also know that there are people who are fucking with their their experience by modifying their save files and so we want to thwart that as well and so you make a choice and they decided to go against the people who are trying to cheat which is in general i mean we have a story i have a story for that to follow up after this but that that is kind of a thing with uh like they they have the data they know who's cheating they know how people are cheating and they're trying to you know cut that shit out and if you want to cheat get a pc but we're not allowing that shit on on our consoles and so i i tend to side with you know them trying to cut off the fuckery as as i'll put it <laughs> yeah like if you're going to be mad at anybody how about being mad at the cheaters oh what well, i don't want to how do you gonna 
tell people how they should play the game. It's like, well, if somebody's fucking with their save file and, I don't know, shaving a couple of seconds off of their lap times and uploading that to the internet, and it's like a time that cannot be achieved, but they have it (laughs) (laughs) in their first place and everything, or like maybe they're they're going online and they're adjust. They're like adding a zero to their credits. And instead of playing the game and earning everything like everyone else, they're just stealing all the content basically. So it's, I can understand the need to cut out cheaters, but there are some people who just don't give a shit. (laughs) There are some people who got reasons why this is a bad move they got uh, they got people who are drawing a line in the sand uh, with their tusks <laughs> we got troll of the week troll of the week troll of the week troll of the week today's trolls are coming sideways at Gran Turismo 7 yeah. they're coming sideways and being online all the time even though they seem to always be on their computers hating all summer (laughs) first troll says i wasn't gonna buy this when i thought i could play it offline but now that it is always online i just (laughs) (laughs) pre-ordered reverse troll that shit was hilarious (laughs) next troll says they'll overturn it now watch Uh, so now that's 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 the thing that sony does now well, that, that's just the thing that the vocal minority falls into every time they get a little victory, which is why I, I feel like developers need to just put the, put the fucking foot down. These people don't have significant enough numbers to affect you. And you guys know it. You have the data. Every time you give them a little seed, they start they get stronger. They start thinking that they're more powerful than they really are. And it's like it's funny that this troll would say like they'll they'll overturn it now watch because they recognize that people said a whole bunch of shit about the horizon i mean the horizon situation and something happened from that yet these are the same people when you tell them like hey they're watching your consumer behavior and all these things that they do is a result of the way that you spend your money they'll be the first ones to tell you ah that's bullshit yeah. They don't do any of that. They don't do any of that. Oh, but we all raised our voice against this thing and they changed. We did that. So they'll take credit for things that go in their way, but they won't accept accountability for things that happen as a result of their poor behavior. What Think I like too that. with this is that uh, I've, I've also heard the conspiracy theories that like Sony does this on, pur- on purpose because it's an easy win. Like it's like, oh, we're listening to you, so now we're just gonna change it. But it's like, no, 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 they, that wouldn't work because y'all motherfuckers never forget anytime somebody makes a mistake. Yeah. So why would they do this on purpose? <laughs> motherfuckers dug up a blog post from over a year ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as soon as it was like, wait a minute, where's my free upgrade? You promised this to me a year ago. Let, let me go to let me go to star pass. let me go to Starbucks so I can get the internet. Find this blog post. Yeah. <laughs> Let me drive 20 miles into town. Get a and AT&T hotspot. <laughs> Speaking of, next troll says, I only have a 56K modem pre-order canceled. <laughs> next troll, as someone who likes to game in rural areas, this sucks. 
Who likes to game in rumors? <laughs> I mean, between milk and cows, I like to get in a few laps. Come on. I like, <laughs> I like, to, I like to, I like to leave the city <laughs> to go play my video games. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then come back to the city to not play my video games. <laughs> Next troll says, good thing I've had internet for about 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can't even. Uh, how long? Goddamn. I've had internet for like most of my life. The first house I've ever lived in, we had the internet. <laughs> oh, there, are, there are tons of people who are, have been born with only knowing that the internet has existed. <laughs> there are people who have been born that have been raised by the internet more yeah. than their parents. They've <laughs> been raised by a tablet. Like YouTube. YouTube has has reared so many <laughs> productive adults oh, who yeah. have shitty opinions and outlooks online. But Nextro says, let's be honest, this game never had a shot against Forza anyhow. Yeah. Uh, first of all, there would be no Forza were it not for Gran Turismo. So pump your brakes, pal. Second of all, there's more than enough room for more than one franchise. So you don't have to pick a side. It's not a competition. It's a race. And there's multiple racers in that race. And I got bets on both of them because I like to hedge my bets. Next show says, easy win for Forza. Mm, I don't know about all that. Forza's awesome. I like Forza. I like the Forza style more than Gran Turismo, specifically Forza Horizon Motorsport, that's a different deal. Because that's more in the vein of Gran Turismo, and I think Gran Turismo still preserves the edge there, but we'll see. We saw the trailer for Gran Turismo 7, and one thing I can say is that Forza has, it's it's like more lively and energetic, whereas Gran Turismo is more lifelike and realistic. So the things that the Gran Turismo trailer lacked now that I've seen it a couple more times, it, there's no, there's no like wind resistance or gravity to it. Like everything's very mechanical, smooth and perfect, which is, you know, that's the game space. I think Forza gets that gravity and that, that air, that the, the negative space, right? But Gran Turismo nails the perfection of racing, of customization, of the experience. Of so menus. It comes of the menus. <laughs> it comes down to the personal preference. The next troll says, I can't keep defending this company. <laughs> well, no one asked you to. <laughs> so why would you? Next troll says, I'm sure these developers are magicians. They just made my interest in their game disappear. So you've been waiting all this time for the next iteration of the Gran Turismo franchise and the deal breaker is whether or not it's utilizing the internet connection that you already have or not. That's kind of weird, bro. Next show says, hey, look, gamers are mad about something. Incoming delay. (laughs) (laughs) So this is this is another vein of the they'll overturn it now kind of comment where it's like, oh, people are upset and now they're going to push the game back and fix it. I don't know. 
They might not. People were very upset about Returnal and the lack of a traditional save feature and how difficult it was. And you know what happened? Not a goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah, I think Returnal it's like still successful. Housemark got bought, acquired part of the PlayStation Studios marquee. What now? AMC. Yeah. Like I would also say too, it's uh it's one thing if like it's like for Sony, it's like you got me. All right, whatever. Horizon, here you go. Because they they said one thing, people said, Oh, you didn't say that. Also, you've been doing you've been handling all these other games differently. So, like, why are you treating Horizon differently now? Um, and so then Sony had to look at that situation. It's like, all right, they do have a point. So we're gonna we're gonna correct this one, but this one they didn't make a promise that Gran uh, Gran Turismo wasn't gonna have always online, uh, yada yada yada. They didn't make a promise with Returnal that it was gonna have more save points, and so there's nothing really for them to to correct here as far as going back on their word. So I think that is the difference in this situation is if they say one thing and then they do something different, then it's kind of like ah oh, fuck. But if it's if they never said it and they just make a choice to handle it this way, then I, I totally feel they'll just stick with their guns on this one. Yeah, I sincerely hope they do because nothing is going to happen. <laughs> people are going to buy Gran Turismo 7. People are going to enjoy it because people have internet connections. And I also enjoy the, the delicious, just piping hot irony of it all that it's people online <laughs> complaining about this. You're on the internet complaining about a game that's going to always be on the internet. Yeah. So, like, and as I said, two and two, <laughs> two and two, dude. And they, I don't know, like, I, I feel like, uh, I was saying this in a pre-show, I feel like they equate this to, like, they're streaming the game. Like, this is somehow going to affect the performance of the game. It's like, unless you're playing on your playstation and you're constantly losing connectivity you're not going to be affected by this because this is literally just you need to be online which means you just need to be connected which every playstation for the most part is always connected uh yeah so it's not like you're streaming the game and then now it's going to affect the performance of the game it's you just need to make sure you always have a connection which i'm assuming most people can hold a consistent connection with their console and if and if you don't, hopefully you're near the the router or whatever, and you just plug it right in with the land core, and then you won't have to ever worry about it dropping. I mean, there you go. <laughs> it's like, and then the new the new line that's being presented whenever situations like this come up is games preservation. What happens when they cut the servers? It's like, well, that's going to be several years off in the distance. Like, why are we getting upset about something? that's happening so far in the future that you don't know where you're going to be or what you're going to be doing. You don't know if there's going to be another Gran Turismo out. Like you don't know what's going to happen. Why are you getting upset about a future that's so far off and distant? You don't even know when they're going to cut the servers if they even do that. You don't know if they're going to author a patch that makes the game offline and downloads your save file so that you can play it offline and continue to build. You don't know. So let's not pretend as if we we understand the ending of the path for this game's life cycle. But let's move on to the next troll. 
was his LOL dead franchise. <laughs> Next show says, looks like a PS3 game, LOL. Ah. LOL guys are out. Looks like a PS3 game. Okay, pick pick any PS3 game and put it next to Gran Turismo 7. I'd love to see how, how that dichotomy is represented. Next show says, they just want to track player data. These voyeuristic, dirty business tactics are creepy. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure they do want to track player data. I mean, yeah, it, oh, it's voyeuristic, dirty, and creepy that they want to know what people are doing with their game so they can better understand what to update, what content to add, how to make improvements, how not to make things worse. Like, yeah, you should want them to track your data. What are you doing on the game that's so private that you can't be tracked? Like, are you are you picking up prostitutes in Gran Turismo and bringing them to your house? Like, no, dude, you're running around the track. What's the big fucking deal? I don't Last troll says, stupid. <laughs> Bye-bye, Gran Turismo. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> How dare they? Yeah. I don't get it, AMC. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't understand why a bunch of people are on the internet posting about how they dislike something that's going to be on the internet. I understand the angle that some people come at with the game's preservation, even though that's that's suddenly a factor now when it wasn't a factor back when Diablo was around. But, you know, you know how gamers do. It's not about their personal dislike of something based on their personal judgment of it. Gamers are always thinking about the bigger picture. They're always thinking about the affected groups, the unspoken, the ones who can't speak for themselves. So they can't conveniently tell these people that, hey, it's not a big deal for me. <laughs> it's always the gamers online stepping up. It's, it's almost admirable how much they care about other people when it's time to get rid of something that they don't personally like. I mean, how do you feel about it? Uh, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with everything you're saying. It's one, people are always so resistant to change. I think it's also two, people can never get outside of the negatives to see what they can possibly gain from anything. It's it's always, well, well this could be potentially bad. And it's like, but yeah, like anything that's, if they're doing something, it's also to enhance something in a certain way. And as you were saying, like collecting your data, a lot of times, yeah, it's, so like it's like all right people don't do this so we're not going to focus on this part of the game anymore or people people aren't really doing this so even they could say they're not they're not interacting with this part of the game so you know what, let's figure out a way to enhance this and make it a little bit better so that people will want to actually play this part of the game um as i mentioned to you like one of the things that i thought was pretty cool with the um i know with last generation when it came to like these racing titles and you know the always online thing is rather than racing against bots um yeah against like just ai bots they were able to bring in ghosts of other players that you were friends with on on like playstation network or xbox and they were able to bring their ghosts into the games that drove just like them so that you were actually playing against what felt like real people as opposed to you know the same couple cars 
that all run on the same AI. This one's gonna, this one's almost guaranteed to get first. This one's almost guaranteed mm. to get second. Yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so a lot of this, all, unless of, you could cause that pile up in the first turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like a lot of these things, like end up like improving on these games, but people are so focused on, you know, how is this going to affect me or how is this going to affect the, the 1% of, in, in, in the wrong way, the 1% of gamers. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's much to do about nothing. I think we're going to get to a point where, you know, every game is going to be always online. And I think it's going to be also better for the industry. <laughs> and like, how how do they even know that these gamers that they're trying to speak on behalf of even play those games in order to be worried about them? Like, if, if you're in a rural area or if you're in an area with bad connection, number one, you probably don't even have a console anyway. And number two, it's like, how do you know that's a Gran Turismo fan? How do you know that's a Diablo fan? How do you know that the person without the internet is getting the games that you coincidentally happen to be interested in that you're taking issue with. Like the the people with that information are the people making these decisions. They wouldn't institute always online. They wouldn't do the kind of decision-making that they do unless they were confident that it's going to be beneficial to not only themselves, but also to the most people, or should I say ineffectual? Because, like, hey, most of the people who have this console have internet connections. I'm looking at everybody who's connected to our service right now, and it looks like 97% of them. So I'm sure we could do this thing, and it won't affect anybody. Because let's be realistic here. What is the difference to you as a player if Gran Turismo is always online or never online? When it's the same exact game, it just happens to be that in the background, it's checking your internet connection and it's saving your file to a server. Like, what's the real issue here? Like, games preservation, let's talk about that when they start musing with the idea of unplugging the servers and seeing if Gran Turismo 8 is out by then, if people are still playing, because they wouldn't pull the servers if the game is still having a concurrent player count with a respectable population. They'd pull the servers if people weren't playing the game anymore. The same way that Sony was ready to pull their PS3 and Vita stores because people weren't buying shit anymore. It's only when people hear this news, and not just people, but the handful of people who are like, oh, they're changing something, I gotta fight that. What's really going on? Like, what are we really holding on to? At some point, we got to let go of the past. Things have to continue to move forward. We have to continue to grow and change. Unfortunately, we can't hold on to everything that we experienced along the way. I have one more question. Room for the new shit. I have one more go question. Do, do you think that this is handled any differently if this isn't, say, like, you know, PlayStation or Microsoft? Like if this is just like a third party developer and they do this for their game, or you think it's more because like I'm trying to like think like is this because it's Sony and so they're just like ah like anything Sony does they're mad or you know like when it was Microsoft it's like whoa it's like Microsoft well like I'm not gonna like support Microsoft moving forward or blah 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 like um like a part of me wonders is like if these missteps are like amplified that much more because they are like 
they're the console makers. And so like, it's now like, they're so entrenched in that console, like, I guess, community, the people that they're like, well, like, like Sony can't make these mistakes or Microsoft can't make these mistakes. We expect like EA or Activision to make these mistakes, but not you, Sony. <laughs> I don't even think it's like that because that implies some kind of wholesome relationship with these companies. I think it's purely antagonistic from the consumer perspective to the degree that people not only don't like Sony because of the decisions they've been making recently, but they dislike Jim Ryan specifically. And it's not even like, oh, Sony's fucking up. It's Jim Ryan's fucking up. <laughs> it's like that. So I think Sony's on their heels, especially after recanting from the whole Horizon situation. So whenever, whenever the online gaming community thinks that they have a leg up, they're going to keep pushing until they make their target fall over and give them whatever they want. So right now it's Sony that's playing everything off of their heels. Whenever they do anything that's even in the slightest bit questionable, the vocal minority online is going to push as hard as possible to knock them over. Microsoft, they got Game Pass, they got Bethesda, they got Deathloop coming in a year. So it's like Microsoft is, they've got carte blanche with gamers right now, but that comes from being in a position where they're trying to catch up to Sony. They're not the market leader right now. And they're also trying to grow their Game Pass business by expanding their subscriber base. So they're, they're throwing every possible bone they can toward consumers. And it's consumers are going to celebrate that. Meanwhile, Sony being in the lead doesn't have to do that, isn't doing that, and is in fact trying to you know, get a little bit more out of their cut and people are just going to pick away at that every yeah. little bit that they can. I guess what made me think about that is like the reaction to like $70 games, like where like, it seemed like when third party developers like considered doing a $70 thing, it was like, oh man. But then when Sony did it, it's like, not you, Sony, not you. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and like in that sense, and too brute. Yeah, like it's 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 weird. Like the reaction when you know when a third party does something as opposed to Sony, like they take it more personally with Sony. And I guess it's because it's the added like factor of the console war. So it's like, no, 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 we like we sided with you. We bought your console, so you can't do this to us with your. Yeah. Like, it's it's the one thing if a third party like developer does it. But if it's a first party game, you better not make those mistakes. Like, I don't know. It's uh it's kind of weird how like they come so hard at Sony about these things. <laughs> it, it's totally weird. And yeah. it's completely <laughs> undeserved. Just let that shit go. If you yeah. think so strongly about what Sony's doing, go get an Xbox, go get a Nintendo, or build a PC, get your Steam Deck, get on the mailing list for a play date, like whatever you want. It's you have options, so I don't understand why people are behaving as if they're beholden to Sony. Like, is it, like you know, in this whole situation, if you if you can afford a five hundred dollar console, if you can afford these games, if you can afford these controllers, get your internet tight and quit complaining about being <laughs> always online. Yeah, and then when they decide to cut the servers, let's see where we are and how we feel about that before we get preemptively upset about it until then 
quit your belly bitching and shut the hell up. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have pretty much two quick hits. Um, I'll do one. And then if you have any other stories, we can just trade off quick hits. This one in line with what kind of what you were covering about as far as cheating goes. Um, there's a news story I pulled from Eurogamer, that being that it seems that uh, the Call of Duty bans in Warzone are carrying over to Vanguard. So an article I pointed I out, it. yeah, it said that screenshots from cheating Discord servers <laughs> and forums appear to show that players cheating Discord, Discord servers and forums appear to show that players who received a hardware ID ban on Warzone are unable to log in to Vanguard's beta. And then uh, it also showed that Raven Software, the lead developer of Warzone, recently confirmed it issues hardware bans to account bans uh, for cheaters. So they're not just they're not just uh, you know banning your account; they're banning your you know your hardware. So that's uh, that's yeah. I think that's I think that's pretty cool. Good. It's like it's like no, you're not only that's awesome. That's not, good. Yeah, you're you're done with the Call of Duty franchise, not just this one game. <laughs> Yeah, you're a cheater. We know you're a cheater. We don't want you around anymore. Yeah, kick rocks, kid. Like get the fuck out of here. The best part is I was reading the article. Like, too. like you're like you're gonna change between games. Yeah. Well, I was reading the article too, and it's like, but this doesn't stop our cheaters because there's ways around it. Like people could buy a new motherboard that gives them a new hardware ID, and it's like, but if you're gonna buy a new motherboard. <laughs> then you're basically taking that cheating to another level this basically gets all those fringe people who are basically like i'm gonna just jump into this space and see what it's like oh i got my hardware banned i'll never do it again um but if you're if you're going to that length to like you know to be able to come back and still cheat then you you have some issues (laughs) that you need to work on (laughs) but you know to take that a step further you buy a new motherboard (laughs) You're cheating. <laughs> You're gonna get banned again. <laughs> yeah, they did mention so you that. Bought a, you bought a new motherboard to cheat for like uh, how however long in a new game until they find you again and get rid of you. Yeah. So what? You're gonna buy another motherboard? You're gonna yeah. keep cheating and Call of Duty? Like that's that's your life now? Yeah. It's like if you're going to that 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 level of cheating, it's you you are on another level as far as like just how you view video games and your experience with video games. <laughs> like that is and like it, if you're if you're on that level, then it makes this hardware level hardware level like franchise ban make more sense because mm-hmm. one, why are we going to give you another chance just because a new game came out the next year? And number two is. You're just going to keep doing it. So fuck you and your motherboard. Yeah. <laughs> get, a, get a box of them. They're going to ban them all. Like, uh, reform. If you're going to get a new motherboard, stop cheating. How yeah. about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all I got for that story. Uh, do you have a quick hit? Quick hit. God of War news. The director explains why there will only be two games in the North Saga. So among the many things that people are discussing between Fat Thor and Corey Barlog not being the director on Ragnarok, it was made clear why Ragnarok is going to be the last game in the Norse mythology series of God of War. 
Uh, first of all, it's called Ragnarok. <laughs> so if you're familiar with Norse mythology, you know that Ragnarok is the end of it. Yes, that's when everything dies. It's all Norse mythology is one of the only mythologies where the ending of it is predetermined and described in great detail. Ragnarok is the end of the Norse gods. Uh, further, it was explained by Corey that it's going to take 15 years to do this trilogy. The first game took about five years. This second game is taking close to five years. And if you follow that, extrapolate it out. This, if there was a third game, it would also take about five years to make. So it's, it just gets a little longer in the tooth. Fatigue sets in. People get tired of working on the same product. They're going to end it here at Ragnarok at two games. And personally, I support that. I think Sony Santa Monica has spent a great deal of time on God of War. If for some reason you haven't gotten enough God of War by now, all I got to say is too bad. Like God of War 1, 2, 3, Ascension. I'm sure there's another one in there that I missed. Probably some PSP slash Vita games. God of War 20, 2018 and now God of War Ragnarok. So it's, there's plenty of God of War. There's different styles of God of War. It's Enough has to be enough at some point. Sony Santa Monica deserves the freedom to be able to work on other projects and take not only everything that they've learned and achieved with the God of War franchise over all this time, but also the, the technology and the hardware resources at their disposal to, to flex their muscle on something new and give us the next great franchise that we can appreciate and probably enjoy for the next two decades if it turns out to be as big of a hit. AMC, how is this news hitting you in the heart? Uh, if any, I would say, okay, two things with this. One, um, when I saw God of War, like, you know, the gameplay, I was like, okay, cool. This looks like the last God of War game. And and so with that, like, I wouldn't need necessarily a third one unless they were just going to, you know, now that this game is PS5 exclusive, we're going to take it to the next level. But I didn't think that that's what was going to happen. They're probably just going to, you know, continue to improve upon what they had established with the foundation of God of War what, 2018. So, yeah, not necessarily. And if anything... The other note that I would say is that it almost guarantees now that I'm going to buy this one because I know that's the it's the conclusion. If I knew that there were there were going to be multiple more installments, yada yada yada, I probably would be like, this might be a time to jump off of the uh, franchise because, like, you know, I ah, not, damn. yeah. But with it, I only bought the first God of War, like of the uh, you know of the original God of Wars. <laughs> I only bought the first one. I've never bought two or what three and then definitely never played ascension yeah, and, and other ones yeah and so i only jumped into this one because they did something different with the story and it's old man kratos and he has a son so i was like all right this game seems a little more mature so this is a story that i can get i can like probably get a little more you know involved in and enjoy it as opposed to you know just angry i hate the gods i hate my dad that's what that those first games seem like um, i hate myself i hate myself i hate my dad Covered in ashes of my wife. Uh, anyways, and so um, I feel like with this one now, knowing that it's going to be the conclusion, I'm I'm definitely going to buy it now just because it's, one, it's not an investment into the, this long ongoing thing that just keeps getting added on. And then two, I want to see truly what happens with like Atreus because I am now, you know, I got into this because of Kratos, but now I'm finishing it because of Atreus. <laughs> oh, man. Another quick hit. Yes. 
Um, yeah, this is my last quick hit. Uh, this is oh, just oh. a follow up on you know JRPGs. Uh, Tales of Arise sells. Bandai Namco announced today that in just a few days after release, uh, the latest release in the long-running Tales series, Tales of Arise, surpassed 1 million units sold worldwide. This makes it Ooh, the fastest-selling title in the franchise. Uh, oh, God damn. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those ones uh, when we were talking about in the pre-show, like every developer is like one game away. And I felt like that mm-hmm. with like, you know, like with Persona, like Persona, obviously the other ones were like really popular what was it persona 4 golden being super popular and then persona 5 drops and it's like that one that kind of just jumps over to an entire audience that wasn't really up on you know everything persona before that and i feel like that's what this tales game is doing even um was it monster hunter world like you know there have been previous monster hunter games and you know they come out they had their following and then they put out monster hunter world and it just completely crosses over to this entirely different community that wasn't necessarily into monster hunter games prior to that like on the like um, myself yeah and so like it seems like that's what this tales of arise game is you know on the path of like doing right now because it's already selling really well all i hear are great things it got like a nine i believe on ign um and so yeah it's uh i think this game has potential to you know submit itself as like you know up there in the upper echelon of the jrpgs if it wasn't already there it's definitely there now i've seen a lot of tales games in the past i've seen people raving about them none of them visually hooked me in which is the first hook that must go into my spiritual body in order to move me toward a game tales of arise first screenshots that they that they reveal i'm like whoa this shit looks amazing i want to see what this is about and sure enough that ends up being one of the most amazing Tales games. So, huh, A-Dub has the eye. A little surprise about the Tales franchise that I didn't know was that it spans all the way back to the 16-bit era. So, yeah, I'm just wondering if maybe I have experienced the Tales at some point. They said it was on Famicom or Super Mm -hmm. Famicom. So I don't know if that got a U.S. SNES release. But, yeah, it's kind of awesome to see a long-standing franchise eventually cross that tipping point and, you know, get the respect it deserves. I'm hoping a similar thing can occur for Armored Core one of these days if From Software decides to make number six instead of another Souls-like, but hey, we'll see. Uh, do you have any other quick hits, Ada? Insomniac says Wolverine will be full size with a mature tone. Yes. So, yeah, it's going to be a full game. Still don't know what kind of game it's going to be, whether it's going to be something open world, something completely linear, or perhaps a hybrid in between. Mature tone, don't know what that means either. However, Wolverine sitting at the bar, had the bloody knuckles, had the, had the claws coming through the skin, had the bar completely disheveled and out of sorts with bodies strewn about. Didn't see any separate limbs, but who knows? We'll see what's going on. Hoping the best for this game. Hopefully Insomniac blows the doors off of a Wolverine experience in the same fashion as they did with the Spider-Man situation. But I also want to see limbs all over the place, blood, Wolverine getting shredded to bits when he's getting hit with a gun or, or, or anything or a sword. Like it's, it, Come on, guys. This has to be the HD just close up grotesque 
visceral Wolverine experience that every Marvel Wolverine fan has been waiting for. I'm trying to see his heart beating out of his chest. I want to see everything. I want to see the glint of the adamantium bones that are exposed to the air after he shrugs off a shotgun blast and guts a guy in the middle of the street. Give me Wolverine, damn it. AMC, how do you feel? Yeah, this is like what you want to hear. Once again, um, one thing I'd say is like, I'm glad that uh, they're aligned with what it seems that people want. But, you know, we've we've had enough discussions of like, they said one thing and we got the other thing. So I'm not going to like, I'm not going to put too much into this until we see the game. But um, already off to, I guess, a good start if that's the messaging that they're that that they're leading with. Just one last quick hit to leave you out on. Yes, uh, those new model PS5s that everybody was worried about, the <laughs> smaller heat sink, <laughs> no performance difference from the launch model. Quit your belly, bitch. In. <laughs> hey, you got another You got another console that you can go out and buy. Hopefully that means that there's more out there in the wild so you can stop blaming the scalpers for the reason why you don't have a PS5. But yet, yeah. you're, you're going to have internet connection and all those... <laughs> You're not gonna have an online yeah. <laughs> about something needing to be on. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. That's good. Because obviously Sony's not just trying to put out a faulty console just to get a, a faulty console out in the market. <laughs> that's not what people do. <laughs> Even though that's what you believe they yeah. are. Yeah. Well, apparently Microsoft did that with 360, but that's a whole other discussion. Well, well, with the 360. Somebody pointed out that apparently Microsoft knew about the Red Ring of Death, but put out the 360 anyway because they wanted to beat Sony to the market. Interesting. But they never they never corrected it, though, right? It's not like they like they plan on. I don't know. That's a weird one. Because, I mean, I, I also got I, like, the, I got the yellow light of death on my PlayStation. So I just felt like that generation. Yeah, I felt like that generation just had shitty, shitty hardware. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we got to do some more research on that and we'll report back to you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, do you have any final words, Adam, before we get out of here? This is Control Issues. I am AMC. <laughs> and this is Adam. We are Control Issues. We are Control Issues. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Sucker. Sucker. Yeah, it's an idiot.